0: 393, we're saved, we can experience God's blessings. There shall be showers of blessings, 393.
1: There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing. Sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need Mercy drops round us are falling But for the showers we plead There shall be showers of blessing Reviving again Over the hills and the valleys Sound of abundance of rain
0: Showers
1: of blessing Showers of blessing we need Mercy thrust round us are falling, but for the showers we plead, there shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Render us now a refreshing. Come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops from the star falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops from the star falling, But for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing. If we but trust and obey. There shall be seasons refreshing. If we let God have his way. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops from us our falling. But for the showers we plead.
0: Amen. And let's do one more song five hundred and fifteen. We need to stay near the cross. Amen. Five fifteen.
1: Jesus keep me near the cross where precious mountain From Calvary's mountain, in the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, fill my raptured soul.
2: Pick your prayer list if you would And uh, we had 87 this morning Praise the Lord for that Uh, Several returning visitors from weeks in the past And uh, praise the Lord The ceiling in the basement is about halfway done And uh, looking pretty good We're moving along So any other praises at this point? God, for his mercy and forgiveness. Amen. Yes.
0: Well, praise the Lord for a couple of things. One, for uh, fellowship uh, with brethren and uh, just his uh, continued provision. Uh, In men's prayer meeting about a week ago, I had uh, mentioned that um, we had gotten some bad news at work uh, with our contract uh, not being renewed for our program, but uh, this week I went to a meeting and you know they're still talking about stuff and I just praise the Lord because there might be an opportunity for them to um, uh, just allocate some funds to, to our program so that we can continue to, to at least run for another year or so afterwards so I praise the Lord for that because he, he still provides in spite of you know everything else so I'm just thankful for his provision bless him. Amen.
2: Alright any other praises? When you mentioned the Max we're
0: going to be coming this week, I spoke to Becky um, yesterday. I believe it wasn't. She'd been in an accident. Um, The car had some damage, but she herself was okay. But the thing um, that was a blessing to hear is she drove home. And when her husband Bob got
2: ready to take the car to be, um, you know, repaired, he couldn't even drive it. He couldn't steer it at all. And he said, "How did you get home?" "I, I drove home. And he just said, "Well, God got you home safely because." You know, if she'd had happened, what happened to him, it would have been much more serious for her. So praise the Lord for his protection. All right. Paul? Uh, praise the Lord for provision, and fellowship in the church. Okay. Stephen? Okay. Good Children's Church. Question is, were you good in Children's Church? All right. Amen. if anybody's been watching but there's been more deaf people almost every week and praise the Lord for that uh, brother George amen Just
0: one more thing. Um, thank the Lord I have an opportunity I'll be away in Orlando this, this coming week uh, to visit my sister but uh, a good chunk of our family's flying out there and um, they, I'll have an opportunity to, to take them with me to church so my other sister and her son and, and uh, maybe even my dad might be going again to church. So I'm just praising the Lord because uh, they, they, they seem pretty open to it. So uh, that'll be another opportunity for them to hear the gospel and, and just be in church. So it's another thing to praise the Lord about. So it, when the prayer time comes also, just to keep that in prayer, but I praise the Lord for this upcoming opportunity.
2: Amen. All right, let's pray. Oh, did you, did you have one? Yes, okay. Praise the Lord. Uh, Tammy Love, her youngest son, has been coming to church Thursday night, Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your work in so many different situations from uh, just provisions at work and working in lives, opportunities to witness. Lord, we thank you most of all for just allowing us to be faithful, giving us strength day by day, that when others who are just struggling in the troubles and problems of this world, when they finally come up for air, they are willing to listen to the goodness of your word. We ask for we thank you uh, for your grace in all of these situations. We thank you for your word. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for the privilege that we may be called your servants in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Franz?
0: Right, let's stand. Turn to page 619 in your hymns. In this day of compromise, we need to stand up for Jesus. Amen. 619, stand up for Jesus.
1: Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he. Vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey. For to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day, we have had our men now serve him against a numbered foe. Rise with danger And strength to strength Opposed Stand up, stand up For Jesus Stand in his strength Alone The arm of flesh will Fail you He dare not trust your own Put on The gospel armor Each peaceful. Or danger be never wanting there Stand up, stand up for Jesus The strife will not be long This day the noise of battle The next the victor's song To him that overcometh A crown of life shall be
2: Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15, 14, Luke chapter 14, and uh, we're just going to, we may spend next couple of weeks in this chapter, but right now I just want us to Uh, take an overview of uh, the entire chapter here. And this is quite an interesting chapter. Recently was at a preacher's meeting and the uh, theme of the meeting was verse 23, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them uh, to come in that my house may be filled. And... um, It was just really interesting as, I I believe, at least three, maybe four of the preachers, and this just started Thursday night and went through Friday night, and uh, in in that short time we had, uh, what was it, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight sermons from Thursday night to Friday night. I mean, that was uh, a lot of preaching there and uh, several, I think at least four of them, over half the preachers preaching was uh, right here out of this chapter and uh, as I was listening to the different messages they kind of put together um, an overview here and and what we're going to do is just start in verse 1, it says, and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. Now, let's put this in the context here. If you go to the end of chapter 13, we actually have some of these Pharisees doing something, uh, well, I guess we could call it nice. Uh, They went to uh, Jesus and they warned him. They said, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of this area uh, because... If you do not leave and leave quickly, Herod is going to kill you. And uh, we go through here and Jesus uh, uh, says in verse 32, "Go, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and do cures today and tomorrow. On the third day I shall be perfected. Jesus is really prophesying his own resurrection there in that passage. And he ends with a lament saying, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come, when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So this is the context in which Jesus is going into this Pharisee's house and... um, so much of of what Christianity truly is, if we want to be real Bible-believing Christians, um, what we do must be the result of who we are. Uh, It's not something that we put on on Sunday and take off on Monday. It is, we are supposed to be this on a regular basis and... And we're supposed to live these things and these truths, and it's really interesting as we look at the chapter here. It's it's really a character study, I guess we could say, uh, in the hearts and lives of the of the Pharisees, and and we start here in verse two, and it says, "Behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy." And Jesus, answering, spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace, and he took him and healed him and let him go. Now, imagine here is this Pharisee, and he is offering a dinner on the Sabbath day, and and they're sitting here, and this man comes in that has a disease, and they're watching him. They don't care a thing about this man or his problem. The only thing they care about is how they might entrap the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is what happens so many times. Uh, I put down in here, they were overly concerned with their own goals and their own designs. You know, they had things they wanted to get done. And these things they wanted to get done determined everything else they thought happened to them. And when they were actually faced with the opportunity to do good or to help somebody, that was no longer important because... They had things to do. They wanted to get Jesus. And and you look right here in in verse 4, Jesus takes him, heals him, and then he answers them saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again on these things. One of the great problems, as you're going to see, is you're going to see uh, when something is amiss here, when our goals and our desires are not coincidental with Scripture, we are going to have unnatural affection. We're going to have things that are out of order. These men cared more for animals than they did for human beings. Now, if you're not reading today's newspaper, I don't know what we're doing here. I mean, we live in a society. Save the whales, murder the babies. Oh, my. You cannot, uh, you, you cannot have seal skin. Seal skin is outlawed in the United States of America. And uh, it is because they went up and they would club the poor baby seals. How many of you remember those commercials they had on TV? I mean, when I was a kid how cruel and horrible they, they depicted all of those things. And, and, uh, and we're not for depleting wildlife. We're not for killing off things. I, I like the story of the spotted owl. They stopped, uh, I can't remember how many, thousands and thousands of jobs gutted the northwest lumber industry over this little owl. They could only live in old-growth forests. Now, one commentator asked very appropriately, uh, what did the little owl do before there were old growth forests? And uh, they just happened to find one uh, in a Walmart sign, or a Kmart sign. They found this little nest, and somebody crawled up there to take the nest down, and guess what it was? It was the endangered species, the spotted owl, who can only nest in old growth forests in the Kmart sign. And uh, just goes to show you people, when, when they get out of sorts, you wonder why we live in such a crazy world. It's because we are looking for the wrong thing. We live in a goal-oriented society, do we not? And, you know, if, if, you have, if you're not trying to accomplish it, if you're not trying to accomplish anything, if you have no goals set in your life, uh, uh, you'll probably attain them, right? Uh, somebody said, if you don't know where you're going, how will you know when you get there? And it, it's not this meaningless, aimless approach to life where we're just trying to meander through. But if we're more concerned over what we're trying to do than what God is trying to do, that's what leads to all of these really strange things going on around us and so we we look here and we find in this first point that Pharisees are alive and well today are they not Uh, they run most of the papers they're really alive and well in uh, Washington DC our politicians I mean we just see this thing repeated over and over again We care about the ox, we care about the donkey, we care about the things that uh, 10 years from now really aren't going to mean anything. And the things that are eternal and the things that are real, we totally ignoring them because they don't fit in with the goals. Uh, Let's look at verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee come and say, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, Go up higher, and then... then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now, here is the second concern. And again, today's newspaper. Position in life. How many times have you heard the phrase, if you don't toot your own horn, no one else will. You ever heard that before? Am I the only one? I mean, that rule really ought to apply to saxophones. I don't share reeds with anybody. Amen? Uh, Nobody plays my saxophone. Uh, uh, That's really a horn. Uh, I don't share those things. Don't recommend sharing mouthpieces if you played the trumpet or any of that stuff. Uh, But when it comes to exalting yourself and presenting yourself, boy, I mean, that's what we're about today, is it not? I mean, it's about how to walk into a room and take over everything that's going on and how to be in charge and how to present yourself. And Jesus said, listen, he, he had watched these Pharisees as they had come in to the, to the dinner where he was eating. And they would walk around. And apparently, uh, it was a tradition here that, you know, in a house, uh, there would be different stories, especially in the cities and uh, they would have different rooms that were more honorable than others. And uh, so he said, listen, when you come in, he said, start at the lowest room. Just sit with everybody that's there. And when the man that's running the dinner, if he thinks you're more important, he'll bring you up. He said, but I saw what you guys did. You all came in and you were all fighting over the, who got the first seat. Who was going to be closest to the guest of honor? And uh, I wonder if he really, if if someone didn't get bumped uh, and sent down to the lowest room to start all over again and just watch the fallen looks on his face uh, as, as he had left. And Jesus was actually referring to the things that had really happened right there in his presence. But if you are going to be concerned about your position, concerned about what other people think of you and how you are perceived by other people, you're going to be forever living a miserable life. amen? Because you can't please everybody. In fact, last time I checked I got a hard time pleasing myself, let alone anybody else. amen And, and really the only one we ought to be concerned pleasing is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, last time I checked, he wasn't at all impressed where you sat at the dinner table. Uh, what position you had when you went to a banquet. He, he just not concerned at all about those things. And so, uh, again, here's what the Pharisees were concerned about. Number one, they were more concerned about animals than they were about souls. Boy, every time I read that, I, uh, for lack of a better term, we called her the cat lady. She used to live right here on the block. And she, I mean, she, would, she thought I was the meanest man in the world because she would feed, and this is what she called them, the homeless cats. And I even made this statement to her one time. I said, I believe you're more concerned about these cats than you are your own soul. She said, "I am." She said, "Because I believe, if I take care of these cats, this is part of what God's going to reward me with heaven went for." And I said, "It doesn't work that way." Well, I don't care what you think; I only care what I think. That's what she told me. And uh, I knew there was no good, no no use witnessing after that. I mean. If if a person is more concerned about these cats than they are about their own soul, hmm? Are you kidding me? Okay, Leah just said she was a singer. she was a, she told me she was a school teacher, but. Uh, So maybe that's not all that's wrong. Amen? But anyway, Jesus said, listen, let's be concerned about the right things. Amen? Let's not be concerned over our position in society and what people think of us. Let's be concerned about reaching people. Now let's look on here. Verse number 12. It says, Then said he also unto them that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, and maimed, the lame, the blind. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just." They were concerned, number one, about their goals and what they were trying to accomplish. They were concerned over their position and what other people thought, and they were concerned about the bottom line. What's the return going to be? What's the return on my investment? Wow. Maybe we ought to call this a, um, an overview of life in New York City in 2006, huh? Uh, I mean, what is everybody concerned about? What is the return? Uh, I don't know if you get these things. I I think I get about 20 of them uh, a week at least, if not more, uh, that slip through the spam catcher and says, watch this company very closely, stock valued at .06 cents per share. It's going to skyrocket. And and if it does, it might get the the whole way to a penny. Uh, Who knows? Uh, you're going to get really rich that way, aren't you? Uh, but I mean, there are all these things trying to tell you you're going to put this in and you're going to get this back. If that is our concern as believers in Christ, we're in trouble, amen? How many of you have seen that book, The Prayer of Jabez? You know what that prayer of Jabez is all about? Exactly what this is talking about right here. You put in so many prayers. You repeat that prayer so many times and God's going to bless you. We, we've talked about this many times. We Sometimes in our prayers, we treat God like you do the uh, slot machine at the casino. Put in the prayers and pull the handle. Lemon, 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 lemon. Ah, I, I guess I better pray more. And uh, I don't know if... I guess it's probably against the law to beat on the machine and... I don't know if you remember this story or not, but um, somebody had been working this one machine for uh, hours and hours and hours, and they had to step away to get more coins, and somebody came in and put one coin in, pulled the handle, and it all came out. Just as they were coming back, they saw that money run out of the machine. It was their money It was in the machine. And they tried to sue that guy to get the money that he won at the machine because they had put it all in there. doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. God said, listen, you just invest your life. And in the resurrection, the day of the resurrection is when you will be recompensed. Just stop and think about heaven. Amen. Somebody came up with a bumper sticker, and I'm not into bumper stickers that much, but this was a good one. It said, trust Christ. The retirement benefits are out of this world. Amen? And uh, because they really are. They're in another world. And I'm glad about that. And, but if we're concerned about what the return is, then we're going to be in trouble. Now, the next one, boy, this one, this one gets scary. How many of you know the story of the dinner? Jesus tells them, and it starts in verse 15 here. It says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now boy, isn't that a wonderful thought. He said, Blessed is the man that's going to eat bread, is going to enjoy the kingdom of God. And uh so Jesus said, okay, let me tell you a story about he who is going to eat bread at the kingdom of God. And, he's, and we'll just read through here. I hope you don't mind just reading so much Scripture, but uh, this is the best way to get through it is just to read it. And uh, in verse 16, it says, Then said he unto him unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bidden come for all things are now ready and they all with one consent began to make excuse the first said unto him i have brought a piece of ground and i must needs go see it i pray thee have me excused and another said i have brought bought five yoke of oxen and i go to prove them i pray have me excused another one said I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring hither, in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, maybe next Sunday night we'll see, we might go through this entire parable, but we want to just get a few points here. Something I want you to think about Why would these men who were bidden to this great supper sit down and have a little counsel? It says they with one consent, they begin to talk about this thing and they begin to offer the worst excuses in the world why they couldn't go to this man's dinner and honor him at his dinner. Because it is an honor. When you invite someone over to your house and they come over, that's an honorable thing. You're... You're being a blessing to them, and, and, and that's a, it's a great thing when that happens. But why, why did they do this? And this is just what come to me. I think about it and I throw it out for. They were concerned about who was in control. You see, they went over to this man's house. And sat down at his dinner. Guess who was in charge of everything that went on? Why, that man was, wasn't he? He was in charge of what they talked about, he was in charge of what they ate, he was in charge of everything because it was his house. You know, the Lord has bidden us to his dinner, he wants us to partake of his blessings. But when we go to his house, guess who's in control? He is, isn't he? Have you ever heard people's excuse why they don't come to church? I, mean, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day. We need to have a round to it Sunday. you ever heard anybody says, well, I'll get to church when I get around to it? Uh, that's more a Midwest thing than it is a New York thing, but when I get around to doing it, and they'll just say, when I get around to it, I'll do it. And uh, somebody several years back actually printed up a round to it. Just took a little plastic disc and printed on it a round to it. And so you can pass those out and say, Now, if you ever plan on coming to church when you get around to it, I got one for you right here. Here's a round to it. Now, you come to church. <laughs> and uh, if I can find somebody to print those things, we'll do that this fall. Amen. We'll just have a round to it Sunday. And we'll have a lot of fun playing with the minds of all these New Yorkers that have no idea what's going on, what's around to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of enjoyment in serving God. Amen? And, uh, but I, I believe the real issue here, and, and, and we'll talk about those excuses, Lord willing, at a later date and some of the reasons that were going on here. But they were concerned about who was in control. And that's why they were watching Jesus, amen? They were trying to entrap him because they didn't want him to be in control because they were the Pharisees. They were the teachers. They were the ones who were in charge of the temple. They were the ones who were supposed to control what was going on. Not this hick from the sticks from Galilee. Not this guy that never went to our schools. Not this guy that never learned in our college. We don't understand what's going on here. Why he has to make this big deal and change all of these things. Now, how many of you have ever heard the word or used the word control freak? Oh, my boss is just a control freak. Oh, there's a lot of them out there. My dad is a control freak. My kids can say that honestly because their dad is a control freak. I want to know where they are. I want to know what they're doing. And I want to know what they're thinking. And my son looks at me and says, Dad, how do you know what I'm thinking? Well, it's real easy. I'm your dad. I know. And... uh, But isn't that what the Lord wants to do with our lives? What did he say in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, I'm not near as concerned with what you're doing with your hands as what you're doing in your heart. Because what you're doing in your heart is going to eventually work its way out to your hands and your feet. He said, that's why you don't hate. If you you never hate anybody, you'll never commit murder. Do you ever think about that? You've got to hate first. If you're not lusting in your heart, you'll never commit adultery. You've got to do it in here before you do it out here. Jesus said, I'm concerned with what's going on. Who's in control? I remember dealing with a man many years ago. He was in his 80s actually at the time and he was invalid at home and, and uh, it was... Uh, his, we just called him Uncle Timmy. Actually, he was Nora Danny's uncle, but the church we prayed for Uncle Timmy and, and that, I mean he was everybody's uncle, basically. I mean and, and, but he was just months before he died, literally. We were talking. I said, you know, a lot of people are like that guy in the old Western movies' falling off the edge of the cliff and he's holding on to that little root that's just sticking out and it's pulling out and he's watching that root pull out and he's looking down uh, the, the steep cliff to the valley below and he knows that if he doesn't let go and get a hold of something else he's not going to make it. Now in the movies somebody always drops a rope and there you see him with one hand on the root and the other hand on the rope and then both hands on the rope and he gets pulled to safety. if he's a good guy. If he's a bad guy he, he falls off the cliff and dies. But do you know in real life, if that were you hanging on to that root, nine out of ten people would hold that root the whole way to the bottom of the valley, never let go, even though safety is right beside them. Because your mind won't allow you to let go of that slipping root to grab a hold of the rope that will save your life. Most of us could not do that if we were put in that situation. Our mind wouldn't let us. We're holding on to what we got. At least I have this. And how many people do we know will not give the control of their life to the Lord Jesus Christ? They're holding on to the slipping roots of this world. What were the Pharisees doing? Exactly that. They were just holding on for dear life. Uh, we've got our traditions. We've got our program. How many times have you heard, I've got my church? I mean, all of the excuses. You can't be too concerned with who's in control unless it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because look at the next one. It just follows the same theme. Verse 25 It says, And and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and, and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, those are pretty harsh words. And, and we've been through these before, and we might go through them again as we're going through here. You mean Jesus actually says, I've got to hate my wife in order to serve him? But, but he says, if you're going to be right with God, you've got to love and take care of your wife. Read Galatians chapter 5. I mean, that seems to be a real contradiction there. Well, it, it's easiest to explain, simplest, when you come down to the last one. It says, in his own life also. How can you hate your own life? By giving it fully to the control of the Lord Jesus Christ, by stopping making your own decisions. Amen. I mean, it just kind of wraps up everything that's been talked about so far. What are your goals? What is your position? What's going to be your return on your investment? Who is in control? All of those things you've got to turn over. And let me tell you, if you don't learn to hate your own decision-making process, you'll never be able to turn that decision-making process over to the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times have we said, everything I have done in my life I made a mess of, but what I let the Lord Jesus Christ do, He made it right. Amen. That's what he's talking about here. The future. Where are you going to be tomorrow? You know, we do not know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now. But the Lord does. So why can't we just give it all to him? Amen? How many people are trying to take care of themselves? Have you heard about this new thing that uh, they just started prosecuting in... I think it's Suffolk County they've caught nine millionaires I mean these are bona fide millionaires over 1 million dollars in liquid assets uh, that doesn't count their house and everything they own on paper I mean this is just cash in the bank that they could get a hold of and they have signed a, um, uh, a, a paper and I can't remember the legal name of it but it is a refusal to support their spouse in a nursing home so that Medicare will pay all the bills of their spouse who is now old and sick and living in a nursing home. And uh, the Attorney General of that county has just prosecuted nine of those people. Uh, You know, how could you do that? But it's when you're concerned over what you're going to have and how you're going to live and what your future is going to be, you'll do a lot of rotten, dastardly things. That's why you've got to give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, there's two more very quickly. Jesus said He's, he's kind of changing it here. He is, he is no longer talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the multitude. And the first thing He does is He kind of sums up everything He said to the Pharisees. He said, you've got to give up your life and come follow Me if you're going to have a life. He said, number, number one, I want you to be more concerned about finishing than starting. How many of us have started something and never finished it? We got all these little projects. We got these things we're doing. We got this going on and we start all these things and we just never get around to getting it done. Look at the story here. It's the man that builds the tower, the man that starts a war. If you're not going to finish it, don't start it. If we could only think about the finish rather than the start... The start would take care of itself, wouldn't it? This is the way the Christian is to think, amen? Most of the time we think, if I'll just get started, it'll take care of itself. I'll I'll tell you, it doesn't take care of itself once you get started. (laughs) You better start planning the end before the beginning, amen? How are we going to finish? You can finish... You can plan finishing your life right before you start it when you give it to the Lord Jesus Christ because He's the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? And then the last thing that's here, it says, verses 34 and 35 says, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears, let him hear we've got this wonderful little statement today that uh, I'm sorry if, if this is something I repeat too often just boils my blood that's your truth oh I just hate that because you can't have a personal truth the definition of truth is it's not personal it's universal, it's there I mean if I stepped out off the end of this platform guess what I'm going to do I'm going to hit the floor down there. That is a universal truth. I don't care who steps off this platform, uh, unless you put rockets on the bottom of your shoes or some kind of, of device that's going to cushion you. You are uh, you are going to go down to the next level. There's this little thing called gravity, and, and gravity is not kind. Uh, the higher up you are, the harder you hit when you fall. When you finally meet whatever's at the bottom, and It says salt is good. You know, truth is a good thing. But watered down truth is less than worthless. What can you do with bad salt? Have you ever gone into the cupboard and pulled the salt shaker out? And there's just this one big crystal of salt in the bottom of the salt shaker. Somehow it got a little bit of humidity in there and it just all melted together. I mean, it's worthless. It's it's worse than worthless. You can't do anything with bad salt and it says it's not fit for the land. If you take bad salt and throw it out the back door, guess what? It'll kill the grass. it'll, It'll spoil your garden. I mean, there is nothing that can be done. It says... Men, just throw it out. It's not even worth taking to the trash pile. Uh, if you live out in the country and you have a septic tank, whatever you do, don't pour bad salt down the septic tank. It'll mess up what goes on in the septic tank, your septic tank will stop working. And uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you, you know how important that is, and if you don't, just trust me, it's a really, really bad thing. Uh, because they don't have sewers. You just have a septic tank, and if it stops working, you're in big trouble. And um, here's what people do with truth. I got it, I got it, I got it. I don't do it. Truth is good. But if you're not living it, it's worse than worthless. There are some things that are worse than worthless. I'll tell you one thing that's worse than worthless is a cheap set of pliers. Anybody here ever used a cheap set of pliers? The only thing it will grab a hold of is your skin. You're not going to loosen anything with it. You're not going to accomplish any proper work. In fact, I've had to take stuff apart that somebody's worked on with a cheap set of pliers. You can't get a wrench on it. You can't Normally, you have to grind it off and start all over again. There are some things worse than worthless. And truth that is ignored in your life is one of the most dangerous things in the world. And that's how Jesus finishes this chapter. Boy, isn't that? the society in which we live. Sometimes it helps us just to look at what's going on around us so that we can say, hey, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to live God's way. All God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We ask you to do your work in our hearts and lives. We ask you to bless your word to us. And most of all, Lord, we pray that you would show us how that we can change that we may live for you in Jesus name amen let's just take a moment keep our heads bowed and if you-